0: Hello and welcome to the CircuitPython Weekly for August 5th, 2019. Uh, My name is Scott and I go by TanNewt Online. I'm sponsored by Adafruit to work on CircuitPython full-time. CircuitPython is a small version of Python uh, for embedded tiny microcontrollers, which are inexpensive computers and all sorts of different devices. Um, So we're bringing ease of use and Python to those platforms. Particularly for beginners. This is our weekly meeting that we run every Monday at uh, 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on our Disco- on the Adafruit Discord server, uh, which you can join at the URL adafru.it slash discord. Uh, Everybody is welcome to join, so uh, hop in there um, and join the voice channel. Um, If you just want to listen, you can just let us know that you're lurking. Uh, If you do not have a microphone or you're in a noisy environment, you can always uh, post your updates via text, and I will read those off. Um, And I should also note that everything is recorded, so I'm recording the audio I'm getting over the voice channel, and I'm also recording the screen. uh, And that is because we post it on on the Adafruit YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Adafruit. It goes up on podcast services as well if you want to follow along but are not able to make the meeting. If you're one of those folks who uh, is usually typically working during the day when this meeting happens, you're always welcome to hop in the notes doc and drop in uh, information about what you've been working on. And even if you don't make the meeting, we'll read that off on your behalf. Uh, That's a good way to participate even if you can't make the meeting time. Um, This meeting is run in five parts. Uh, we start with uh, uh, Community News, which uh, Phil will go over, and that's kind of just highlights of the week. Uh, it's a, an abbreviate ver- abbreviated version of the Python for Microcontrollers newsletter, which goes out on Tuesday mornings, uh, and you can sign up for it at adafruitdaily.com. Uh, after Community News, we do State of Circuit Python and the Libraries, which is a statistics, uh, uh, statistical view of what's happening um, around or how the project is, how well the project is doing, um, that should give us kind of a like unbiased view of how the project is going. Uh, after state of circuit Python libraries, we have hug reports, which I uh, is done as a round robin. So, um, what we'll do is I will start, and then we'll go through all the people that are in the voice chat, and I will also read off any notes that people have dropped in, um, any notes that. Uh, uh, people have dropped in the notes doc. Uh, I will do those in alphabetical order as well. Um, and if you are lurking and can pull up the notes doc and just make sure that it, in the notes doc it says you're lurking or text only, that's really helpful for me as I as I call on people. Um, so, hug Reports uh, done is around Robin, and the general idea is to give everyone a chance to say thank you to folks for the work that they've been doing. It's really good to say thank you to folks and, and highlight the positivity and the positive things that are happening in our community, both to thank folks and to also just reinforce what we value as a, as a community. Um, after Hug Reports, we do another set of, round, uh, of round-robin for status updates, which is a more technical view or a matter-of-fact view of what you're working on. So uh, a little bit about what you've been working on in the past week and kind of where you plan on going in the coming week. Uh, that's a great way to get everybody on the same page and make sure that we um, we can give tips and tricks about the work that somebody else is doing because we might have background in it. Um, let's see. In, in the weeds uh, is the last section, which is a chance for us to have longer-form discussions about topics uh, that are concerning to CircuitPython and CircuitPython community in general. Um, so, yeah, I think... Uh, that is the gist of it. Um, as I said, we are recording it, and I, I will take time codes as well. So along with the recordings, you'll find a link to the notes doc, um, which people can also... You can hop in there right now and edit it as we go. I'll just drop the link in the text chat again. Um, if you want to follow along. And then this gets copied over and uh, put into a GitHub repo that then all of the recordings link to. So if you don't want to listen to the whole thing, the meeting tends to run about an hour. Um, if you don't want to listen to all that, uh, we'll take time codes so that you can skip through it. So uh, with that, I will take our first time
1: code and hand it off to Phil for community news. All right, how's it going, Scott? Good. All right, so this week will be our biggest newsletter, everyone. I'm putting the draft there. If you want to follow along every single week as we work on the Python on Hardware newsletter, you can. It's on GitHub, and it's also um, the most, uh, you know, text-friendly if you don't like images and all that stuff, and you like to consume your media through GitHub, like some people (laughs) do. Um, So that's there, and there's a lot, um, because it is CircuitPython day, week, month. So we're going to be doing things all throughout the month of August um here is some things that just came in that i'm adding to the newsletter once i get uh finished with this video or sorry audio chat um this is from let me make sure i get this right this is from the folks at the delhi technical university for women and they have some photos some of the uh swag items that we sent over there arrived to check that out they also have this um they took some great photos of uh some cool i put this in the chat like look at these this is the temporary tattoos oh let's see me holding the Halloween. all right cool so some of the people are, are in the chat thank you for doing this event awesome this is all working out um okay so we'll have scott on our shows this week so on wednesday ask an engineer probably something on thursday and depending on how schedules work out and more we'll have some activities throughout the week and we'll also have some fun things like a pie roller that were given away, and a lot of surprises on the show. Next up, uh, uh, Pie Ohio keynote videos posted. If you haven't seen it, check it out. In other Adafruit news, um, Sedacious is doing a talk, so I included that in the newsletter as well. That's coming up pretty soon in San Francisco if you want to learn about accelerating driver development at CircuitPython. Um, Scott will probably talk about this later, but. CircuitPython Python 4.10 was released. I think it's just pretty much a name only because mm-hmm. our release candidate it was so solid. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's a cool release. It's like this is just the official name. And then over the weekend, um, we didn't know about this, but now we do. There is a Circuit Python for Beginners with Adafruit Circuit Playground Express and Moo. Um, it's, it's starting out in Japan, and we're in contact with the author now. And I just really like the cover because this is how I think all covers of programming books should look. Um, so that's in the chat, and then uh, I have one last thing to wrap up for this uh, test. So the new version of iOS allows you to y- use things like USB drives, and for us, that's good news because we uh, we act like USB drives when we're a when we're a Python on a Hardware device. The only thing was the first round of iOS beta would just delete files, mm-hmm. and now it doesn't. So now we can use um, even th- even though the apps aren't aware of the storage, you can you can move the the .py file um, to internal storage, edit, then send it back. It'll automatically save, restart the device, and just run. I have a couple more tests, but like right now, it looks really good. No one we're going to do. I think a little quick guide in the video. So that means anyone who has iOS devices in environments that they use for learning, especially schools, um, this is just yet another way to interact with Circuit Python on lots of devices. Uh, Keith used our guide for getting uh, Circuit Python on Snack. And so this is mm-hmm. the snack board. I just put that in the chat. Um, it's a very small Python-like language. You can check out what he did. And then um, I think we're going to try to um, do a quick video of this this week. But uh, Adafruit joined the Risk Foundation. And we did this for a few reasons, um, but mostly because we really – think that RISC is going to be an architecture that we're going to see, especially our stuff in the future, Mm -hmm. live on. And um, we're looking for folks out there uh, who know of or would like to um, do some RISC microcontroller work where there's some built-in USB and lots of RAM, because that's kind of our thing. Mm -hmm. And then um, last up, uh, well, not last up, almost last up, um, there was a, okay, good, Jepler wants to. All right, that was easy. Done. (laughs) All right. Circuit Python snakes its way to risk. It'll you know, be my next headline. I'll put this graphic in there. Um, so uh, next up, there was a tweet about what was the best swag, and a bunch of folks said the Circuit Playground Express that happened at PyCon, as well as some of the Circuit Python-powered devices that we worked with Microsoft on for the Lunchbox. So that was kind of neat, um, because sometimes we... We see things like pens or like USB drives or T-shirts. And we're like, that's kind of not what we're into. We like giving out hardware when we do stuff, and that worked. That looks like it, it worked out really well. So thanks everyone. I think some of the folks from the community had chimed in on that. And then last up, because I got to go on to the next thing, um, Hug Reports for all. Thanks for making this uh, a fantastic first uh, Circuit Python day week <laughs> if I'm using time, if i'm using time words the right way um this was just the this 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 month was just to get us started so we have um time to plan for the next year one um but thank you so much for everyone who did that stuff already um we'll have shows we'll have um, some community celebrations we'll have some stuff in the chat we'll have some giveaways but i just wanted to say thank you to everyone for um uh, coming up with things to do on this uh, very special day month week year of circuit python
0: and back to you, Scott. Awesome, thank you. Yeah, that actually Bye-bye. just reminded me that I'm giving a talk at the local Python user group once I'm back next week. So we should advertise that.
1: To yeah, you. you can practice on the shows, and then you could do that.
0: <laughs>
1: and send me some for the newsletter. I'll add it. Uh, yeah, I, I need to look that up. Okay, take cool. it away. All right,
0: all right. Thank you, Phil. Um, sorry, I'm making notes uh, about what Phil said. okay uh, next up we have state of uh, circuit Python and its libraries and uh, unfortunately the script that takes all the stats has been really unhappy. so we're gonna have to take a look at that. Um, it's been five days uh, since it's actually run so I'm not going to go over all the specific stats. Uh, but don't worry. When we get it back going, we'll we'll uh, post it here and get info on that. Uh, just in general, as an overview of status Circuit Python, uh, we really uh, turned the corner uh, in terms of moving from four o to five o development. Um, we got four one o stable, which is kind of like the best it's definitely the best version of 4x and a lot of the work that dan's been doing is in 5x so that's been really helpful um so we'll start to see that we're going to get uh 5x being talked about and we'll have some alphas uh, probably the first one this week is what dan and i were talking about um and we'll also see uh all of the frozen module bundle stuff uh, producing a 5X bundle as well, even though it will be backwards compatible with 4X and 3X because uh, there's no plans to merge uh, in MicroPython uh, into 5X because uh, we don't want to destabilize it too much because we do ideally want to have 5X stable within the next couple months. So that the merging from MicroPython will have to wait a bit longer. Anyway, um, so, so that's the, the gist of State of CircuitPython on its libraries. Um, I guess I should also just a blanket thank you to everyone who's done pull requests and uh, reviews, uh, both on the libraries and on the core repos. We're always happy to see new folks come along and do that. So uh, hopefully you know who you are because we don't have a list this week, but we really appreciate it. OK, uh, let's move on to hog reports. Uh, Hug Reports is a chance for us to say a quick thank you to folks who have been doing awesome work within the uh, broader community. It doesn't even have to be with CircuitPython necessarily, although that is definitely the, the, the theme of this uh, discussion. So I'm going to start and then we'll go to CLI Ninja next. Um, and as a reminder, uh, if you don't have a microphone, let us, but still want to post something, t- let us know your text only. And if you just want to listen and let us know that you are lurking. Uh, if you are missing the meeting straight uh, completely, you're always welcome to drop uh, things in the notes doc and we'll read that off as well. Okay, I'll take a time code for myself and get going. Okay, uh, first and foremost, a huge thank you to Catney for the wonderful keynote uh, for Pi Ohio. Um, there's a link and we can post it again. I think Phil just posted it as well, but uh, really uh, take the time. It's like 30-ish minutes. People should should watch it. It's a really good uh, overview of th- how community is key to what CircuitPython is. Um, so highly recommend that. Uh, next hug report is uh, thank you to Jeff Epler and Summersoft for uh, working on the audio work. Um, excited to see that stuff get polished up. So thank you for working on that. Uh, thanks to HexThat for fixing up the audio core imports. Uh, one of the changes in 5X is that we're, we split audio, audio IO apart. So audio out is now an audio IO and everything else is an audio core. Um, so HexThat was going through our libraries and making changing the imports so that uh, it works in backwards compatible way. So thank you to those folks. Uh, thank you to Matt Land for doing some image load library reviews. Um, ever since doing the PyCon sprint on image load. Uh, He's been a huge, huge help in uh, doing reviews onto that uh, repo. So thank you to him. And then uh, in general, I want to say thank you to the PyOhio and the PyCon Australia folks for including those of us only online with the talk videos. Uh, Both of them have started showing up. So uh, thank you to Matt Trentini. Um, who did an a hour-long deep dive into how to extend MicroPython with C modules. Um, in general, those that applies to, uh, to CircuitPython as well, so it's still good background. So even if you want to do CircuitPython development, I say uh, take a look at that, and a lot of the things will be similar. Um, thank you to Nina for her talk on debugging at PyCon AU. It's really interesting to see her workflow. Um, because I'm definitely a printf debugger, but I want to see the other way that people, uh, that people do it. So there's the link to that. And then lastly, um, for those of you who are relatively new to the CircuitPython community, um, Elizabeth Dunham is a Rust person who has a series of really good talks about how to automate your community and, and ensure that communities grow in the way that you want. And uh, they were hugely influential on me um, from kind of the, the very get go. So this is her latest one uh, that she gave just at PyCon AU about community, and she talks talks a lot about the similar points. So uh, I highly recommend watching both this talk and some of her earlier talks about community and how to ensure that uh, community stays stays welcoming. So. Um, props to her for for her <laughs> I want to meet her at some point because it, it has been such a a huge benefit to us um and and the way that we approach CircuitPython's python's community and it and it's worked out um we're three years in it's worked out really well so um yeah thanks to everyone and uh let's go to cli ninja if you have any hug reports
2: yeah awesome hug uh, you... reports Agreeable to Philip. Uh, Thank you very much, Philip, for sending us the boards, uh, which uh, made us enable to celebrate Circuit Python Day, and also helping us organize the event. So we had some amazing uh, fun at the event, and we also had a cake, which I just gonna put here, so you can see. Uh, Few more people joined the Circuit Python community, and hopefully they will be contributing soon. So uh, thank thank you much.
0: Awesome! That looks super cool. Thank you for d- taking that on. It's exciting to see they had cake. <laughs> and welcome to the meeting. Thanks for dropping in. All right, uh, let's go to Brent.
1: Hello.
3: Can you hear me?
0: You're a bit quiet.
3: Oh, I'll fix that in a second. I'll just speak louder. Um... A hug report to Catney for the keynote. I watched it yesterday and it was really wonderful. It reinforced the CircuitPython as code plus community portion of this project. Um, one to Steven Struvel, or I'm picturing his name, but on GitHub for Python RSA, it's a pure Python RSA implementation and it works really well and minimal uh, modification required to get it working with CircuitPython, surprisingly. And another for Katni, for all the resources she put into the Circuit Playground Express documentation, all the learn guides. Um, I taught a class at a Hackerspace in Brooklyn on Saturday, and it helped me create curriculum for the class and have something to build off of. And then for ongoing work on PLA.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Brent. And uh, when you're looking at the changes that you have to make to a Python library into CircuitPython, I'm always curious whether those things are things we're okay with or things that we should actually fix, too. Um, so it's worth thinking about. Okay. Carter's looking, so we'll go to see Grover.
2: Yeah, group hug today for the team and community. Um, it's, there are so many great things happening, and it's inspirational. Uh, special hug to Lady Ada today for a subtle hardware and engineering design decision that she made that popped up as something really useful and innovative for me this week. So thanks to her. Uh, she's always surprising me with uh, great engineering. But anyway, and congratulations to Katni for her uh, inspiring keynote. I had a chance to watch it this morning. She just did a wonderful job.
0: Awesome. For inspiring keynote. Okay. Go to Dan. Hello, everybody. Hello. So uh, thirds
4: to Catney for the keynote. That's to echo it, It's a really great talk, and I highly, highly recommend you watch the video. Um, thanks to Scott for doing the four one zero release, which is great. We have high speed Circuit Python and a bunch of fixes in there, and it should be hold us uh, well for a while. Uh, thanks to Deshipu for making a bunch of changes to stage and thinking about various things. He's also working on buffering, uh, which is which is, which is is helpful too, like pre-allocating buffers, uh, which, which is under discussion right now. Um, thanks to Seth Ito for uh, a BLE documentation fix. He was proofreading the stuff that I had checked in already. That's really helpful. And thanks to uh, Jeff Epler for all the PWM and audio work he's been doing now. OK.
0: Thanks, Dan. All right, let's go to Dave Brichetti. Hello, how do you hear me? Yeah, sounds good. Oh, awesome.
5: Uh, My first time here, I'm a programmer and a teacher, and I love being able to run Python on. So my hug is a general hug to everybody who's uh, brought that to us.
0: Great, and thank you for joining. Happy to have you here. Thanks. All right, Dave P is lurking, so we'll go to Deshipu.
6: Okay, so that's a long list. So Katni for the keynote, it's very inspiring. (laughs) And uh, for the font, I lifted from it because uh, it's a really nice font for for explaining code. Uh, Dan, uh, Jeppler, and uh, Tanyu for uh, reviews and improvement suggestions on my pull requests. I really appreciate that. Uh, Lepper for the discussion about audio buffers. Thank you for, for starting that. I didn't notice that there is an opportunity for, for doing it even better. <laughs> uh, of Jarin, and Lady Ada for the English lessons. <laughs> and uh, uh, Dan and Jarin for uh, continuing uh, the fight with uh, Bluetooth of <laughs> Well, that's
0: it, thank you. Awesome, thanks to Shippu. All right. Uh, Hakuza Tuna is lurking, but has some text in here, so I'll read that off. It says, says, uh, hugs to everyone who's written Python intro guides. I've been able to point a number of people on Discord to them and stay, uh, instead of saying, go buy this 1,000-page Lutz book to learn Python. So props to folks. And let's go to Jeff Epler.
7: Hello, all. Uh, I just have group hugs today. um, And also, I'm blushing for everyone thanking (laughs) me. uh, Hoping to bring that PWM stuff uh, to the finish line soon. Uh, But I'll see you in status updates.
0: Sweet. And uh, thanks for joining us, Jeff. All right. Yeah,
7: I hope to uh, keep my schedule rearranged so I can hang out a little more.
0: Awesome. That would be great. All right, let's go to Jerry.
8: Hi, uh, so thanks again to Dan for his continued BLE work and, uh, and his patience with, uh, with my questions about his stuff, especially stuff that hasn't been released yet. Thanks.
0: Awesome, thanks, Jerry. Okay, I'm going to read off Katni. Uh, Katni says, thank you to everyone involved with Pi Ohio and my keynote. I will do my individual hugs next week when I'm around. All right, let's go to maker Melissa.
9: Hello. Okay. So, uh, just a hug to Katni for your excellent keynote. I enjoyed watching it twice. <laughs>
0: awesome. <laughs> All right. Uh, Mike is lurking and Summersoft is lurking with a group hug. So that is that, uh, thank you to everybody for hug reports and a particular shout out and thank you to the folks who are new to the meeting this week. Um, This next section is uh, status updates and it's run in the same exact way as the last section Where we do uh, kind of a round robin Uh, And again, I will start Uh, The general idea is that you spend a little bit of time talking about what you've been working on in the last week That could be core CircuitPython work, that could be library work, that could be what project you're building It's all game and we want to hear about it all Um, So yeah, what you've done in the last week and kind of where you're going in, in the coming week uh, and then we may have tips or tricks or comments about the, the work that you're doing. If it's going to be a long-form discussion, uh, the next section in the weeds is the better place for that. So um, if you have those, drop those in the text CircuitPython text chat if you have in the weeds topics, or put them in the notes doc directly. We'll get to those once we do this round-robin. So uh, let's start off. I will start with my status update. Um, I was doing more e-ink tricolor work. Um, I finally kind of got it to the point where it was computing what pixels should be the third color uh, pretty well. So you give it like a highlight color, and then anything that is that highlight color in the uh, you know bitmaps under the hood will then get the color, the highlight color of the display. Looks pretty neat. Um, so. A, pretty much done there. I, I have some refactoring and reorganization to do with that work, um, but the e-ink side, or the e-paper side, is, is pretty well set. It's available in a repo on my version of CircuitPython, but um, I'm not going to get it in. Uh, I go to New York tomorrow, so I the, that should probably land late next week um, because I, I, I have reorganization to do, and I also have uh, I want to redo the refresh API. So we have Um, refresh soon and we have wait for frame and that's going to be replaced with an explicit reset or refresh call along with a property that you can just check to see if like it's the display will refresh if you call it immediately Uh, that's particularly for ePaper displays where it's about three minutes between frames and you don't want to have to call refresh and then wait for three minutes necessarily so um, that will come next week and uh so I'm in New York starting Tuesday, Tuesday evening. Um, so I will be on a lot of uh, our shows. So you'll see me on Ask an Engineer and Show and Tell this week, um, and then we'll do a Circuit Python Day stream on on Thursday as well. Um, so I'll try to keep up with reviews and, and stuff like that, but I may not be doing a whole lot of dev work. Um, so we'll see. Then I'm back on Sunday, so I should be in the meeting, and I kind of have a normal work week next week. Um, I, ah, for the e-paper as well, I, uh, pushed the drivers that I created for that, so you, if you watch the Adafruit repos, there's four new, um, four new drivers there. They're not all polished up, they're still failing lint, and they're not in the bundle, but I just wanted to back those files up before I travel and may lose track of them. Um, and then I also released 410, which is exactly what RC1 was, but it now has a stable designation. Um, so yeah, that's it for me. And I'll I'll be in the meeting next week. I think Katnay will run it, but uh, I'll be around. Uh, but the remainder of the week will be me in New York, so my schedule will be a little bit wonky. OK, and with that, let's go to CLI Ninja. Do you have any status update? May not. All right, we can get back to you. All right, let's go to Brent.
3: Hello. Hello. Uh, My microphone better?
0: Yes, it's better.
3: Okay, cool. It's hard to get it corrected around here. Um, Last week, I worked on the IoT monthly that got sent out I started to work on a Google IoT Core library to interface CircuitPython with Google's uh, IoT offering. Um, It required a lot more work than I expected, and I'll talk about that in a bit. I spent uh, my Saturday afternoon teaching CircuitPython at New York City Resistor. Um, It's a really old hackerspace, and they have a lot of cool LED-related projects that distracted me. Um, And I have a lot of ideas on improving curriculum for the next time, uh, the beginners were very beginner, as in they didn't program before. Mm. And then um, some of the people had previous experience, but only with Arduino. So it was interesting to Hmm. uh, kind of understand people from both perspectives, because I do this every day. So it's interesting to see people who have never done this before work with it. Right. Um, I got CircuitPython RSA into a good spot. Um, Hopefully I'm going to release it this week prior to an IoT Core release because it's a dependency for that. Um, I was porting PyASN ASN1, which is a ASN.1 library over to CircuitPython, and I hit a memory error every single time. And it's a generic memory error, and it's not a very uh, descriptive one. <laughs> and I'm not sure why it's running out of memory, but um, I'm going to spend tomorrow maybe looking at that more, or my free time this week looking at it. But it'd be really cool to get it working with Python because that would allow us to generate um a public and private key on our computer and then drag them drag the private key over to the circuitpy drive and have the rsa library do decoding of um Hmm. keys and do signatures with it and that would be like a very circuit python-y workflow so i'd like to get that working prior to release but if it doesn't it's okay it's something we could improve on in the future um hashing encryption decryption all work and i wrote tests and then um The Google IOT core for CircuitPython is coming along. Worked on it this morning. And hopefully by the end of the day today, which is looking more like the beginning of the day tomorrow, Mm -hmm. um, we'll authenticate with Google's servers. And that's about it.
0: Nice. We can take a look at the memory error when I'm in in the office, too. Oh, that'd be great. I'm curious. So am I. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. All right, Carter is looking, so let's go to see Grover.
2: Let's see. Last week was heads down and adding um, a musical envelope, uh, generator to the Precision Waveform Wing. So I used a trick with the M4's AREF pin to generate the ADSR waveforms via the DAC, and um, it it was um, it was surprisingly effective because you mm. use the DAC for amplitude control. Um, you get a lot of precision out of it, probably more than you need for an envelope, but I was able to successfully uh, do the ADSR stuff. I'll post some pictures of that. Okay. Um, the, what was that? I just, okay. I just said, okay. Oh, the final version will probably use digital potentiometers instead of the M4 DAC, um, but at least I was able to prove the concept and uh, mm-hmm. do it all with CircuitPython. Um, implemented um, a MIDI portamento control for it too, so I can play the Star Trek theme with a, a pitch-controlled theremin sound. Mm-hmm. That was kind of a you know an artificial objective I set for myself. Um, the AREF trick can also be used to create a manual volume control for audio I/O playback. By the way, it, you can control the volume from about fifteen percent to one hundred percent. So you huh. know, as we're waiting for the mixer stuff to come into play. This is a way to get manual control over the uh, the volume output without having to go back and adjust the the uh, amplitude of the source wave files and such.
0: Wait, how do you do that?
2: Um, let's see. Here's what I did.
0: I was like, wait, this sounds like an interesting trick. You you
2: you take the uh, tree volts and the ARF pin on an M4. Uh, you put a control. Or you put your uh, waveform control waveform on the AREF pin, play out of the DAC like you normally would play, and be able to you can control the volume. That's hmm. let's see, that one is um here's one with the manual volume control. But you can see there's a tation on how low you can go with that control voltage on AREF. Right. But um I was able to get it to go from about um, 3 volts peak to about a half a volt, so that's 100% to about 15%. Hmm. So it's a quick way to add volume control to audio I.O. if you uh, don't want to spend a lot of time modifying files. Interesting. Yeah, I may publish something on that. It was kind of a fun hack. But yeah, that would be good, because fun... then
0: we can point people to it.
2: Yeah, the, the final version, though, I won't be using the a I'll be using a uh, um, some sort of a digital potentiometer and um, I'm evaluating a couple of those next week. Okay. I've got a, an Oshpark board coming for the AD5245, and I want to play around with that one a little bit because it's not as sensitive to the audio bias voltage on the three pins for the potentiometer. And, um, and it works really well from uh, about 2.7 volts up to 5.5 volts. You don't have to have a higher voltage for the audio stuff. Hmm. Um, and then hopefully my string car M0 express board will come out of hiding and I'll be able to create a new CircuitPython board def for it. Hmm, and uh, perfect. I still, I'm still, i still anxious to look at Catney's guide for how to do that because I'm sure it'll just be, you know, easy peasy. Mm-hmm. And let's see, next week, did I also mention that I have a cheaper than gym membership, but twice as sweaty uh, landscaping project I'm working <laughs> uh, on? Uh, uh. Yeah. yeah, that's still happening despite our blazing desert heat
0: that we're having this yeah. week. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I have to get that down. Cheaper than gym and twice as sweaty.
2: Yeah, cheaper than a gym membership, but twice as sweaty. That, that's what I tell the neighbors when they look at me slaving out there manually, and they say, why don't you just hire this done?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's been hot here in Seattle, and its I'm sure it's hotter over there.
2: Yeah, we're 103 today, 104 tomorrow, 105. Whoa. Yeah, so. that's too hot. Yeah, it'll cool down after that.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Graver. All right. Let's go to Dan.
4: Okay. So um, last week I was working on this current time service stuff with BLE, but I had to get pairing working first. So that is now working. And now, as I demonstrated on um, show and tell last Wednesday, you can have uh, CircuitPython ask your iPhone what time it is. So... um, the um, I'm continuing in that vein. I'm starting to work on BLE HID, which uses some of the same code, but it needs also a bunch of new code. HID is kind of complicated and needs something called BLE descriptors, which I had in kind of a skeletal way, but I had to flesh out. <laughs> so um, as I wrote in the notes, I fleshed that out. Uh, now, because of pairing, I had to add user-supplied permissions for um, BLE characteristics and descriptors. And I also cleaned up the API a little bit. There was one case where I was passing a bunch of optional arguments as Booleans, and I ended up making it a bit mask because it was just sort of getting out of hand in terms of the number of arguments. And there's some refactoring that has to go on underneath also so that the descriptor
0: can share code. Wait, is is that Python API that you're using a bit mask?
4: Yes, but in the in not it's no it's a, well, it's in BLEIO. Um, okay. And it's if somebody is going to write their own service, they need to know how to use it. But you don't need to use it if you're using one of the predefined services.
0: Right. Right.
4: So it's sort of at the lower level. So the idea is, I, BLEIO is not supposed to be necessarily as beginner friendly as it might have been otherwise. Right. But that's just because BOE is really complicated also.
0: Have you thought so. any more about doing the, the leading underscore on it?
4: Uh, I have thought about it, but I haven't done it. We could just dis- discuss that again yeah, if we wanted to in the weeds. Or maybe next week, maybe. We'll do sure. that. Okay. And so what's left to do, after I get BOE HID working in some form, then I'll go back and do bonding, which basically means remembering pairing information. So I have to store some of that in flash somehow and then make it so that I notice it's there and when I do pairing I just say, by the way, here's my key. Uh, right. As opposed to answering right away. So that hmm. that that's but that's a whole other thing and I can get BLEHID working without that. Okay. I believe. Okay.
0: Nice. Thanks, Dan. That is it. Okay all right i'm gonna read off cli ninja then we'll go to dave so cli ninja says i'm gonna try the mqtt library tomorrow and see how it goes with the local and remote broker uh, also did some light painting with the circuit playground last week and looking for a BLE board to work on BLE projects all right let's go to dave richetti
5: hello again i put a picture in the chat of a p5 js kind of physics animation project. And hmm. some of my students will want to connect that to a Circuit Playground Express that you can hold in your hand and use the accelerometer of velocity of these boxes that are flying in the air. Hmm. Um, in the notes, there's a link where you can run this and see it. So I think it'll be a straightforward matter of just dumping the motor values on the serial connection. And then I think people have done some work um, connecting that to the uh, P5.js uh, JavaScript framework, which is kind of a reimagining of processing, if, mm. uh, if people haven't heard of it.
0: Interesting. Uh, any
5: quick tips on that would be great. Otherwise, um, I'll do a little research. Yeah. I think it's been done before.
0: Yeah, I don't. Mm, I can't remember anything, anything explicitly, and I would just say uh, you should post it up, and we'll blog it out. Okay, hey, we'll do. Cool. Thanks. All right, DP is lurking, so we'll go to Dishippu. Uh,
6: okay, again, a whole bunch of things. So I last week I worked on my stage uh, game library. I mostly cleaned up the MicroPython port of it. So uh, MicroPython now has a way of easily adding 3rd party uh, C modules to it. Mm-hmm. So I have used that, uh, that to, to basically package uh stage for micro python hmm. and once i was working on that on that uh, i also added scaling so that you can have 2 by 2 pixels on on bigger displays a lot of uh, micro python boards have uh, bigger displays where hmm. where the games don't look so good because they're tiny so so that scaling helps and uh, i already had uh, the code for uh, gif uh, file loading in, in plain Python. So I added that to, to stage. So now you can use GIF files instead of BMP files. Mm-hmm. However, on, uh, on the, uh, 21 you usually don't have enough memory to store the compression dic- dictionary. So it will, it will, it will error mm-hmm. at least on, on bigger, uh, images or ones that have more, uh, different patterns in them. Anyways, uh, second thing is uh, I, I I was approached by some Polish people organizing a conference in Poland and uh, I prepared a badge for them. Hmm. Uh, here's a photo. Hmm. Yeah, so it's. There is a photo of it, and uh, it's called Not Informatica, which means uh, basically IT professional night mm. or something like that. Mm. And uh, yeah, so that's basically Pew Pew in a different config, in a different form factor. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing as uh, there was on uh, EuroPython. And we are going to make 150 of those. Mm. And uh, another thing is a second prototype for uh... (laughs) Uh, so I mentioned uh, last time that I'm working on uh, another version of PewPew this time with a display and then uh, some D51 microcontroller. So I have a working prototype. It only needs that one podge wire because I forgot uh, a pull up on the reset pin. Oops. Turns out that some D21 works without it, some D51 doesn't. Right, yep. so, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. One, so one resistor missing in there. And I, I'm not happy with the button alignments uh, as well. So I will probably and the buttons are not that nice so i will probably still experiment with it a little bit but uh, it mm-hmm. mo- it mostly works uh, it's basically uh, something like pi gamer uh, actually pi bat mm-hmm. with everything that is not essential essential removed from it and it's uh, powered by by aa batteries mm-hmm. so no voltage regulator no accelerometer no no sound Hmm. Everything is removed like basic basic thing you need just for programming. Uh, Hopefully, it will be cheap. Nice. That's that's the goal of it.
0: Uh, What kind of screen Uh, is it?
6: That's the ST7735. Okay. That's exactly the same as on the PyBatch. Right. Right. Uh, It's also a cheap screen, so so that's nice. And finally, the last thing uh, the PewPew Pew standalone is now produced and sold by MakerFabs, uh, the factory that originally actually produced them for me. But uh, I, I, I talked them into selling it in their shop instead of, of having to go through Tindy and sending it with expensive. Swiss uh, postal service and so on. Right. So now you can order it directly from China and it's much cheaper hmm. that way. It's really $10 hmm. plus shipping. So so that's nice. I, I will post a link in a moment, Okay, but I, I will finish. up. Thank you.
0: Awesome. Thanks to Shippu. All right, let's go to Jeff Epler.
7: Hello. Uh, the NRF PWM audio is feature complete and it's just waiting for one last round of Scott telling me the little things I've overlooked, I hope. <laughs> uh, although I'd love to hear from anybody else who has tried it, whether you got a sound out, whether your are uh, circuit Python, whatever it was just crashed. Let me know, let me know on chat or on the issue, which is number 2000. <laughs> <clears throat> the other thing I looked into this week is uh, link time optimization for the NRF ports. A number of people, including uh, me and Dan, have looked at this over time, and each time it hasn't worked. This time I tried it, it worked. Uh, Hmm. It increases uh, PyStone speed by 14%, but on the other hand, it increases the build time. You also get back about 60 kilobytes of flash, but none of the NRF boards seem flash-constrained at the moment, so Mm -hmm. that is less important. The main trade-off would be speed versus build time, and I I can't make the call on that. Mm -hmm. Also, it would be good to test it on more boards, but I think they are pretty uniform in terms of link scripts, and all of the UF2 files were a plausible size, not zero bytes. Right. Uh, And then the third thing was I sent that photo earlier. I'm resetting my workspace at home because... It just got a little bit out of hand. And with working more on CircuitPython, I needed a dedicated computer in that spot rather than bringing a laptop and trying to balance it in a corner. So Mm -hmm. uh, hopefully that will uh, stay a usable space, not get messy like it has every other time in my life. (laughs) My desk
0: is really messy, so (laughs) I definitely don't work like
7: that. And yes, you spotted one of my most treasured possessions, that keyboard Mm -hmm. um, hit. it's an oldie, but it will outlive me. I'm confident of it. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. I need to fix my up arrow on my Model M. I'm pretty sure Lamore uses a Model M as well. I think she does. Anyway, thanks, Jeff. All right, let's go to Jerry. Hello.
8: Um, yes, yeah, not, not nearly enough Circuit Python time this week, but mostly Raspberry Pi week, still doing Buster updates. Uh, I've got a bunch of different little camera projects, um, and a bunch of of, of LoRa projects that use CircuitPython to use the uh, Raspberry Pi's. and And for those, uh, I'm getting really good and fast at installing Blinka. I can I can build a new a new Buster board with Blinka on it and, and in a matter of minutes now. So that Blinka's been working really well on the Raspberry Pi's, even the fours. Um, and I did finally get a little time today to start poking at the BLE stuff, and 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 you know. And again, I really appreciate Dan's help with the pre-release information to try things and you know, and, and, and answering my questions when, when things don't work quite as I expected. And it's, again, it's, it's, uh, I'm, I hope I'm not <laughs> uh, pushing too hard, uh, pushing, pushing on things that you know, shouldn't, shouldn't be worried about because they're not even released, but it's been great fun. And, and uh, the, the time code, the uh, service has, has been fun to play with. Now, Now I just need to learn how all well this really works under under the hood and uh, having fun with that, and I uh, I do hope to uh, have more time this week. Um, sounds like a broken record, but uh, that's the plan.
0: <laughs> awesome, thank you so much, Jay. And uh, I'm excited to poke at BLE like you have been too. Okay, J Trip is looking, and I'm going to read Katney off, who's not able to make the meeting. Uh, Katney said, uh, "Pie Ohio keynote." uh more next week uh short vacation Pyruler guide and uh, next up is display guides all right maker melissa
9: hello okay so first of all i wanted to give a belated hug report that i just thought of uh to you tamu for uh when you uh, do your code reviews, how you actually look for ways to improve it instead of just approving it.
0: <laughs> Sometimes I just approve it.
9: Well, I mean, I was thinking the uh, triangle code that I was working on, which right. it yeah. is the first item of my status report, <laughs> is that I wrote a triangle display shape in order to get more familiar with display display.io. <laughs> um, then I wrote an updated display.io demo that I'm adding to a bunch of the boards. Uh, Let's see, I worked on updating a lot of the display guides at display.io specific setup steps and uh, I updated some Arduino image reader examples, a bunch of them, and this week I'm going to continue updating display guides.
0: All right. Thank you, Melissa. Yeah. Okay. Mike is lurking and Summersoft is lurking slash text only. So I will read off Summersoft's notes. Um, let me. I just thought of it in the weeds topic, so let me add that. Uh, okay, so Summersoft says uh, last week uh, for Rosie Pi got Ubuntu Server nineteen o four working. It's uh, ARM GCC is version seven twenty eight Q two. So firmware building will match current uh, new Ansible headaches with new OS slash packages. Uh, for Mixer Voice, uh, working on M4 again. Discovered DNM didn't get M0 functions finished. M0 doesn't have the thumb ASM instructions used on M4. Uh, this week, get the M0 functions working. And uh, for AdaBot, look into increasing occurrences of requests slash URL3 live timeouts, which is the reason we weren't able to read the stats so i will i will circle back with that as well um <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll do a belated hug report for devo who's uh, in our chat being super excited that they fixed an sd card issue so hugs to devo for taking on sd card issues it's uh, a deep deep <laughs> hole uh but sounds like it was successful so good job there um, Jeff Epler paraphrases uh, someone at PyOhio by saying, I'm giving you these review notes because I have a lot of confidence in you and want you to grow as a developer, which is totally the mental model for code reviews. Okay, and that is um, that is status updates. Let's go to our final section of the day uh, called In the Weeds, and this is where we take a chance to talk about longer form uh, topics. Uh, so we're going to start with uh, Dan and if you, oh, before Dan starts if you have any other topics please drop them in the notes doc or mention them in the text channel, CircuitPython text channel, we'll snag them and call on you in order okay, go ahead Dan okay, hi,
4: alright so the first is just a question I, I can't remember if we gave up on Korean and other ideographic languages because there's something missing from Unicode support in circuit python or was it because we didn't have a font
0: i for it i i think the korean pr that was outstanding is like i just didn't understand that it wasn't like thousands of characters like Chinese is. so if we had a font and set it up to use it i think it would work
4: yeah yeah korean is is syllabic so i think we could probably find a font okay yeah, for it. yeah. to,
0: to ship who says it's about 90 so yeah, it okay. would be awesome if we could get that in. Um, yeah,
4: but, that would be very interesting. And the yes. shipu okay.
0: also has experience with using a custom font. That was at a board level, but my intention was that you could do a custom font on a language level as well.
6: Yeah, actually if you use FontForge, you can you can have any glyphs in there. So you can draw. Right.
0: It's okay. It's okay if them. the source font has more characters as well cuz the the code that bakes it into CircuitPython will only do the ones that are referenced.
4: Okay, let me write, take a note here.
7: So this isn't about when you see it on the uh, connection over USB. This is about if you're on a display.
0: Right. Well, it's yeah. yeah, it's kind of both, right? Like we we currently can't separate out the like needing a font per language and what language the build is, I think. So it's like if we have Korean, we need to support the display stuff. Whereas we could potentially like for Chinese, for example, we could add Chinese support to the strings, but not turn on like all of the terminal IO stuff um, is another option. But I don't think there's a knob for that right now. Right now, the translation has to have all of the characters for the font. Otherwise, I think it the build will not work because I, have it, I think I have it set up.
7: Okay, because I had looked at that pull request and the pull request fails um, to build just because there's a misplaced double quote mark. And I don't know what happens when you fix that because I didn't go so far as to test it. Mm. Um, but I noticed that that was the real reason the build had stopped. It's just mm. a typo in the .po file.
0: Oh yeah, huh? Yeah, maybe maybe I don't break the build if it's missing characters, but it would definitely be a better experience if we had the font, or the appropriate font. But it should, okay, so... but it should work over serial regardless of whether the font's there.
4: All right. All right. Took a few notes here, and then the other question I had is: so the the since the um the Travis builds are getting really long. Yeah. From like half an hour to like over an hour sometimes now for some things. And so the question is: we had, we have ten concurrent jobs. We don't want to take all ten because that'll annoy everybody else, the library maintainers, and the rest of Adafruit. Mm -hmm. So, but perhaps we should consider increasing from six, from five to say seven or eight Mm -hmm. or something like that. And in the course of that, we might clean up those lists a little bit, try to balance them a bit, a little bit better and maybe separate out the third party lists. Not as to make them lesser, but just to make it easier to tell somebody where to add Mm -hmm. a new board. Right. So, um... This is partly do you see anything wrong with like doing that and, and going up to say seven or eight uh it, it'll only increase you know it'll improve things by like 20 20 25 percent or something like that so
0: yeah I mean I I'm kind of wondering whether like we do a make clean for every build I wonder how much time we would save if we were actually smart to like say like all these three these three boards have most in common I don't know because we use you we use the command line defines to do different things and like that basically means you need to clean I think
4: yeah yeah each board there are right there aren't that many boards that have exactly the same set of compile options right and there's a lot of if if of pound if in there right mean, so
0: I would also be tempted both. to go the op- opposite way and like just break all the boards up again and just pay the overhead of cloning to have lots of little jobs.
4: Uh, you mean have just just do one one board and all its translations per job, right?
0: Because mm-hmm. then at least like all of the library builds can get slotted within those those small sub jobs.
4: But we could do ten at a time, right? I see what you're saying. Yeah. That's an interesting idea too. Yeah, like
0: it's definitely, it will probably be slower, but it means that we don't block things then. The other thing I was thinking about looking into is whether we could find, um, whether we could find a different CI service that would allow us to like, just upgrade the machines we're running on so that we have more threads. Which also reminds me, I saw an article about how GCC 10 is going to have parallel, a parallelized link step for LTO, which it doesn't have now, hmm. uh, which should hopefully speed up our LTO stuff a lot, hopefully. Um, right,
4: and right now as we discovered, maybe Jeff discovered, rediscovered this too, that GCC 8 is actually three times slower, Yeah. and not even because of LTO, just in general, and... We should probably do some experiments to see whether that's G C C eight or the ARM build, mm-hmm. which there other people have complained about this, but there hasn't been any answer from anybody yet.
0: So Yeah. Yeah, I think it's worth I, I think it is worth put putting some time in here into making sure that the builds work and they're robust and they don't run super slow. So
4: Yeah, yeah.
0: And we're just gonna okay. keep scaling up in terms of build artifacts and, and stuff too, so we just need to figure it out like once we add korean we're gonna get what 70 extra builds or something yeah yeah so yeah
7: it's worth spending some time Um, on another thing about the uh um, the length of the individual builds is if uh i had a travisci.org setup for my own work and when that uh when any individual build goes about 45 minutes, no, 50 minutes, it kills it. So I can no longer pre-test before mm. I make a pull request using travisci.org. <laughs> Maybe that's not important because I should just test more locally and then rely on the pull request for getting the real green. But I kind of like that as a safety net
0: right.
7: at the moment because of exceeding that 50 minutes Is that uh, on is the that count.
0: Is that a build limit or is that a job limit? Like it
7: seems to be that as soon as a job hits 50 minutes, okay. it kills that job. So <laughs> I think that splitting it to 10 pieces, each of which took around 25 minutes, would TravisCI.org free accounts. But again, I understand if that's not an important goal um, for the TravisCI integration that you got. Well, I think it's good. And then an-
0: another similar thing that I was thinking of that would be nice with the a- the Azure Pipeline stuff got me thinking about was the fact that it would be really nice if pull, ref- pull request artifacts could be placed somewhere, um, so yes. that when somebody does a PR, we can actually download binaries to test without having to build them ourselves. Um, so yeah,
6: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, it's it's something that we that we should all be thinking about. We should come up with a better way to do this because it's just going to get worse and worse as we add more boards and translations.
4: Yeah, and it doesn't. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem like we can. Not, never build everything. I we have to do that to test all the, all the boards. Right. So
0: yeah, and like we're we're running into upload limits with the GitHub API as well. So. Yeah. Yeah.
4: I mean, we could consider not using GitHub just to store release too, and just. Yep. I don't know. Yeah. All right. All right, so this is a big, big topic. I mean, I you might want to just do a simple thing right now, just increase it to six or seven jobs just to make things a little better and then work on the more complicated stuff. Or maybe the one board plus languages per job might be good. Right. Too. it's a Good try that.
0: Yeah. yeah I've been watching a, a Azure Pipelines thing about caching because that's the thing is like the startup cost of cloning is, is potentially pretty high. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like there's clone depth stuff that impacts it too. So um, yeah, it's worth yeah. worth looking at for sure. All right. Okay. So that's, those are my two things. All right. Okay. Let's kick it over to Jeff.
7: All right. So um, I've just been doing the audio on NRF, uh, but also um, I noticed this PR about uh, sending in a preallocated buffer for the wave file objects, mm-hmm. and I wonder if there's a different and better way to deal with memory allocation, okay. but it ends up a little complicated. There are audio sources like uh, raw sample where you can't destroy the buffer. You um, right. uh, There are ones like wave file and sampler where you can destroy the buffer. So potentially you could reformat your audio in place mm-hmm. so that you don't need another memory allocation within the audio out object. Right. The problem with NRF is uh, sometimes that buffer that you need for the audio out DMA can be bigger because every sample is 32 bits no matter what. So if you have a, like an 8-bit an mono sample in, mm-hmm. you need four times the storage. So you can't reuse the area right. allocated by wave file. So what is the way to reduce the allocation uh, to the minimum and have the audio out object and the sample object cooperate better um, <laughs> is, is the general idea. Because I'm pretty sure you can save uh, at least half a kilobyte um, of RAM if you get this right.
0: Right. You have to have some like, pre-negotiation about like what the shared buffer's properties are going to be.
7: Yeah, and I mean, I kind of think you want to work backwards from the audio out tell the audio out, I want to buffer this many samples at once or this many milliseconds at once, mm-hmm. maybe, and then it gets snobs to tell wave file, here's a buffer you can read into with your data, mm-hmm. and then I will turn it into the final form that has to go out to the DAX or the PWM or the I2S. Uh, But that's kind of an inversion of how it is now. And so that would turn out to be a big topic. Mm -hmm. But I don't want this work to go into uh, polishing the the pre-allocated buffers for WAV files if we're going to go this other way in the medium term and then create another uh, breaking change and all that uh, stuff. Right. But I don't have any answers, so uh, anybody, I, I Deshapu, it... I think you had some opinions about that.
6: No, not really. <laughs> yeah,
7: I don't, <laughs> I don't know if we,
0: any of us, have answers. But I would encourage you to not be afraid of having to break it again. Like, I'm, I'm fine with us breaking APIs as long as we think we're getting closer to where we want them. Like. I'm, we pretty
6: much control all the libraries uh, at the moment, at least. Right. So, if we break anything, we can fix all of them.
0: Yeah, I, I think breaking is okay as long as we justify it and we explain how to be backwards compatible and document it well.
7: All right. Thanks for that. I will write a little note in the. Uh... All right.
0: And uh, I have the last one on here. It's going to be quick. Um, Just Melissa was talking about the triangle stuff, and uh, we have display.io.shape, which was meant to be a a more memory-efficient way of storing a shape that was potentially uh, symmetric along one or both X and Y axes. But as far as I know, nothing uses it. The, all the shape stuff right now uses bitmap directly and that's potentially a better solution because it can store multiple colors so you can do outlines and things um, should we just remove shape with 5.0 and like if we need to be more efficient later we can crickets
9: that's a good question um I the triangle one that I implemented, you can do non symmetrical triangle with that as well,
0: right? So, you with the way that shape kind of works now is that y- you have the option of telling it whether it's symmetrical or not. Um, it but it's a one bit sort of thing, so you wouldn't be able to do outline, you'd have to do outline as a second shape, and then the only basically it's run length encoding every line. So it just has a start and end per row. It doesn't have the inner inner bits. Um, okay. So like every row, it just has a start and end and it's a weird API right now, but potentially we could have it do subscript access. And just like, if you're, um, if you're setting bits that are right next to each other, you're okay. But the moment you like try to separate bits, then you would get an error. Um, but it potentially, well, uh, like, if you had a giant circle, right, like, you would save a lot by just having two, you know, eight Uint 16s per row rather than um, rather than one Uint 16 or whatever per yeah. hmm. location.
6: It would especially work well for, like, menus and all that stuff where you have rounded rectangles and, and things right. like that.
0: Yeah, that's that was it its intent but like nobody is using it as far as i know so i think yeah,
6: well we don't have much api stuff yet right i think we
0: should leave it because i think it
9: could be used in the future
6: okay well we can always put it back right yes it's not like it's <laughs> always
0: my point <laughs> um i i do think it should be switched so like if it could be used as a drop-in replacement for bitmap so like if the bitmap you're setting has this property of like all pixels in a row are consecutive like Mm -hmm. you should be able to just drop it in and that would be super cool um or you could even be more crazy and just like even if your accesses are not consecutive you could just act like they were um which means you not necessarily get the same bitmap that you write in out, but it would still save you and not complain if you're like doing an intermediate set. But I don't know, Melissa, I think if you could take a look at that and just like, give me your thoughts on it.
9: Yeah. I had um, one of the libraries I haven't really taken a look at before. And I was, Actually, starting to do the triangle thing because I was trying to come up with some demos and was diving a little deeper into the display IO to see what things it could do. Right? Yeah. So that's another thing I could look at.
0: Yeah, like the shapes library really was like it's like the display IO dot shape was meant to be like a, a an easy way to store different shapes. So like if you have a circle, you only have to do a quarter of the store, a quarter of the circle, and then it will mirror it for you. For example, Um, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. But it might have been like a premature optimization as well, because everybody's just using bitmap, which is fine. But it's like shape. Shape will be quicker too, because instead of having to do bit packing and unpacking, like all it has to do is do a bounds check, like a. Mm Like, it just has to seek into the array and then do a bounds check, and then it knows whether the pixel's a 1 or a 0. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I'd be curious if anybody wanted to compare the benefits of both of those. Okay, we'll leave it uh, for now. And let's wrap up, because we're an hour and 10 minutes in. So this has been the CircuitPython uh, weekly meeting for August 5th, if I remember the date right. Um, this meeting happens every week at Mondays on, at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Adafruit Discord server. You can join that Discord server with the URL adafru.it slash Discord. Uh, everybody's welcome to join uh, the meeting, and thanks to those folks who have dropped in for the first time today. Happy to have you here and hope to see you next week. Um, this meeting was recorded, both the audio and the text chat, so that will go up on the Adafruit YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Adafruit. And it's also on a number of podcast services as an audio-only file. Along with those recordings, we'll have a link to the notes doc. So that has time codes, so you can skip around to the discussion that you may want to revisit or rehear, or uh, you're just listening to this th- the first time and you don't want to go through the whole thing. Um, yeah, and the uh, link goes into the Python for Microcontrollers newsletter, which go- you can sign up at adafruitdaily.com. Um, And I think that's it. Uh, Next week should be a normal week. So um, we'll see you all then. And uh, thanks all to, to everyone who attended.